you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the, world. in the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. There you go. When the Iron Lady sings it, that's when you know it's official. The official Chris Voss show is now happening. I didn't even do the fade on. That was so official. Welcome to the big show, my family and friends. As always, remember the Chris Voss show is the family that loves you but doesn't judge you. At least not as harshly as your mother-in-law because she wanted her to marry Bob, not you. But that's not your problem now. That's hers. Anyway, guys, <laughs> uh, we bring you always the smartest people on the show. The people, the authors, the Pulitzer Prize winners, the CEOs, the billionaires, all the sort of people who live these incredible stories in life or they're great storytellers. And as we always say on the show, I think I quoted it or one of my personalities did, stories are the owner's manual of life. And that's the beauty of it. Be a story collector. That's what I recommended to my niece and nephew when they graduated high school and started during joining their journey of life. I flunked second grade people. I can't talk half the time. That's why I do this. But so the stories are so important to collect. And those are the things that at the end of your life, you'll go, man, I have all these really great stories. And that's why we enjoy films, videos, books, OnlyFans. We all have stories. <laughs> And there you go. And so we always have amazing people on the show. And we have another gentleman today who's a prolific author of multiple books. I think you're going to be excited to learn about him if you're not already a fan. In the meantime, go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Fuss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Fuss, YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Fuss, Chris Fuss, one of the tickety tockety, and Chris Fuss, Facebook. Uh, dot com. We have Nick Petrie on the show with us today, and he is the author of the latest book in the Peter Ash novel series, book number eight, that is coming out, The Price You Pay. Uh, it comes out February 6, 2024, if you're familiar with the Peter Ash series and, uh, and Nick's work. I'm sure you're going to be really excited to see what he has to offer. And if you're new to his genre and uh, everything that he does, you're going to be excited as well. Or else, I don't know what that means. I should we just throw it in the show. Nick Petrie is the best-selling author of the award-winning Peter Ash series. He's a husband and father. He has worked as a roofer, carpenter, remodeling contractor, and freelance building inspector. He lives in Milwaukee. And uh, he, uh, you can go to his website at nickpetrie.com to see essays about writing and see his website, you know, other than just reading his books. Nick, welcome to the show. How are you? Uh, I'm great. Thanks so much for having me, Chris. It's a real pleasure to be here. Thanks. It's a pleasure to have you as well. Give us your .coms. I think I threw one out, but any .coms you want people to find you on the interwebs. Yeah, nickpetrie.com is the easiest place. There's links to my Twitter and Facebook. Twitter and Instagram are under slash nickpetrie, under slash and Facebook is nick.petrie.author. There you go. So uh, tell us about uh, this latest book, The Price You Pay, number eight, I guess, in the series. Number eight is still kind of astonishing to me that I've written eight books. <laughs> so Peter Ash is a, a Marine Corps combat veteran still reckoning with the consequences of his years at war. His best friend is a retired career criminal named Lewis in my latest book, The Price You Pay. Lewis's criminal past comes back to haunt him. He learns that a member of his old crew is in trouble and asks Peter to drive north into the teeth of a blizzard to rescue the man. 
They find blood in the snow in a smoldering cabin, and they know things are bad. When they learn that someone has, someone has stolen a dozen notebooks filled with the details of Lewis's former life, they realize the situation has gotten much, much worse. There you go. And I'd like to clarify it wasn't me this time. Wait, what? You didn't do it? No. I think I didn't. <laughs> You'd remember. Anyway. You'd remember, yeah. <laughs> I cannot confirm or deny, but it did owe me donuts, so that's there's that. No, so number eight in your in your series, how many books do you have total? I wrote three books I couldn't get published on the front end, which is not uncommon for fiction writers especially. So I've written eight in the series, and I'm working on something that's actually a, non, a non-series book right now. That's what I'm chewing my way through as, ah, as we speak. There you go. So got some diversification going through the through the series there, huh? The, the, the goal, so this is a series that you can read in any order. The books are designed to be read, you know, a, a, as standalones. If you are a reader who really wants to go back to, you know, the beginning and read them all in order, there is a, a bit of a character arc to follow. But I, I'm, you know, my goal is to have, you know, these books really feel different from each other, be very distinct from each other. I, I, we've all, anybody who's a, who's a big fiction reader has the experience of you, you pick up a book that you think you haven't read and you're, you get, you know, five or 10 or 15 chapters in and you realize, holy, holy crap, I've read this before. My, my books are not like that. If you, my, they're, they are all set in different locations. They all have distinct and different plot lines. There are only three characters that, that follow through the whole series. So, you know, you meet a lot of new people with every book as well. So my goal is to have it be, you know, a very different adventure with every book. There you go. So tell us about your hero's journey. How did you grow up? You know, you, you, you seem to have done a lot of blue collar trades. And then how did you end up writing? I always wanted to be a writer. I, I was the editor in chief of my high school newspaper, of all things. And my senior year, they, they realized early on that I was not good at news because I w- wasn't that good at facts. Uh, so I ended up as the editor because I was good at the people part, but my senior year, I wrote an eight part soap opera, basically featuring the, wow. my friends and enemies in, in high school. <laughs> and, and so revenge? I would, revenge? I, I, I refused to confirm or deny. Ah, the- and so I would show up, you know, I, the, the paper would come out, I'm walking down the hall and people would say, Oh, that was funny. Or I really like this. And I, you know, that is how writers are made. There you go. There you go. So you, you did all these different projects in, in between, right? A lot of blue Oh, blue sure. Uh, when well, did you, you really you, get serious about writing, or were you serious all along? You were just trying to find something that would stick. Uh, I was serious all along. It's, it's not an easy thing to learn to be a, a novelist. Uh, so I, I wrote a bunch of short stories. My, my undergraduate degree is actually in a double major in creative writing and American culture. And I actually, that's, I'm actually using my college degree as we speak. Along the way, I got a master's in fine arts. So again, this is something I've wanted to do forever. It just takes a while to learn how to do it. There are people who, who you know, publish a novel right out of college, but there are not very many of them, and I don't like them at all. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I think, it, it, so would you say that maybe life experience is the thing that enriches a novelist and author and helps them tell better stories then? Absolutely. I mean, for, for me, you really have to be interested in the world and you have to be interested in human beings because that is what fiction is about. It, it, we are telling stories about the world about, and about people's experience through it. So to me, those are the two qualities is, is, to be, is that curiosity about, about the world and, and about how people work and, and the, you know, other people's problems. You can learn a lot uh, about life. And I think, you know, as a, as a writer, I'm really interested in showing you know what? I have, I have a worldview. I want I want my work to 
to you know reflect that. I, I'm, the goal is to write something that's fast and fun that keeps you turning the pages uh, late at night uh, under the covers with a flashlight because that's really the best way to read a book. But you know, I'm I'm interested in writing about things too. So my my first book is all about veterans and post traumatic stress. My my second book is about emerging technology. My third book is about, I wrote it as as cannabis was becoming legal in Colorado. Oh. So it's about sort of what that new industry is like and, and so on. So I, I find something in the world that I'm interested in and I, I sort of find a way to turn it into an exciting story. Ah, so what kind of research did you undertake for this new novel? And uh, yeah. Uh, the the new book is was not a super research heavy mm-hmm. book. Part of it is just sort of researching what kind of what organized crime is like. So there's there's a bit of organized crime involved with this, and but that's something I I mean I I, I read about crime in general a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the biggest piece of research was at, really at the front end, which is because I write about a, a Marine Corps veteran with post traumatic stress. So. Uh, I am not a veteran myself, and I don't, to my knowledge, have post-traumatic stress. So it was, a, it was, you know, finding my way into that mindset, and it was entirely accidental because in in my life as a building inspector, I had all of these customers coming home from the surge in Iraq who were vets, mm-hmm. and and you know, I was interested in the, the the progress of the war and all those things, but but really seeing the struggles that these folks were having coming home from something that you know, is probably would always be the most important and profound experience in their lives. So how do you move on from that? Mm-hmm. So, so that was sort of talking to vets about those experiences and, and about post-traumatic stress and reading about post-traumatic stress was sort of the beginning of my journey into Peter Ash. And the book sort of follows Peter's path through his life from being, in the first book, he's essentially homeless because he can't be inside for more than 15 minutes. His post-traumatic stress is claustrophobia. Wow. To, to, you know, the second book, he's getting a little better and he, you know, sort of he improves as we go along. So it, it's also a little bit of a, a sort of primer for for people who are struggling, sort of here are the things that work mm-hmm. to help you through post-traumatic stress. So would you say Peter Ash is kind of an homage to those those veterans and and then, of course, a kind of a vision or a inspiration that, that there's there's another side, there's a way to come out of it? Absolutely. I mean, we, we all have our struggles, right? And, and everybody's struggle looks differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to me, I think that's one of the core, my core interests in life is how do you face the adversity in your own life and find your way through it, around it, over it. And so that's, I mean, that's really what what these stories are about. And, and I mean, I'm interested in that in, in my own life. So I put it on the page. How do you feel that Peter Ash's character has developed in this book or has it developed in this book? Maybe is a good question too, as opposed to the other books. Is there, is there maybe some new, new nuances or anything that he's. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the, in the previous book, so Lewis has a, be- or Peter has a best friend named Lewis and Lewis is a career criminal or sem- semi-retired, let's say. And, and Lewis is the guy that shows up. Peter, Peter refers to him often as the most dangerous man he's ever met. And Lewis is the guy who shows up when Peter is really in deep doo-doo. And so in, in this book, I wanted to turn the tables. I wanted this to be a more of a Lewis book. And so Lewis's criminal past comes back to haunt him, and he turns to Peter for help. And so we get actually quite a bit more about Lewis and his past. What is it, you know, what what is it what did it mean to be a career criminal? What was his approach to it? We get to actually see him at work. And we see Peter in this more supportive role. 
and also the the women in their lives are also featured in this. So we really get to see other facets of both of these characters. Mm-hmm. It was it was you know one of the challenges of writing a, a, a long running series now, right? This is book number eight. Is to is to keep finding new angles to approach it to keep entertaining myself and then hopefully entertaining my audience. There you go. I was going to ask you that. Every book has got unique challenges and some of the other challenges that you face. Were there other challenges you faced as you wrote the book? This book, so I've, I've, I've published seven books in seven years, writing a book a year. And then this book, I, I got well, partway into a book, I, and I ended up throwing out basically five months worth of work oh, wow. because it just was not going where it needed to go. Um, mm-hmm. And so I just sort of flushed it all and, and started from scratch. And I'd never done that before. I'd never had that experience. Wow. And I ended up blowing my deadline by a, a long way, which was also... Not it's not what a writer dreams of. Let's just yeah. say, or a publisher, <laughs> or a publisher. Yes, exactly. But they they were very kind to me because they could see that I was more distressed than I think they were. So, but you know, I, right, talking about the challenges that we all face, right? Yeah. For writers, it's yeah. how do you how do you get the work done mm-hmm. and and turn in something that you're proud of by deadline, and and that was really the the challenge for me with this book. There you go. Quality is sometimes more important than speed. It's it's what I heard over and over again from booksellers and editors, which is we'd rather have a good book. Yeah. Uh, and, and actually, I think I I think this may be my best book. I had more time on it. I had I took more care with it, and, I, and I'm I'm trying some new things. It's 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 you know I always sort of hate every book as I as I write it, and then it comes the final edits, and it's sort of like oh this actually isn't so bad. Like this yeah. is pretty good. <laughs> you kind of start seeing it probably from you know, a, a higher view, sort of big, bigger picture maybe at that point because you're not lost in the minutia? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I've had that feeling before. The, then, then the editors come in and, you know, you, you, they, you hand them 50,000 words and they hand back the page and they go, the rest of shit, no, start over. <laughs> that's, my, that's my editor joke. So since its release, it hasn't been released yet. I'm not going to ask that question. Clearly, I'm pulling some stock questions here. Can you share any interesting scenes that are in this story? I know one of the problems with novels, we can't talk about the middle and the ending, but are there any scenarios maybe that you can tease out or scenes maybe that you, you, you had fun writing? Oh, I had fun writing the whole book, actually. The, I, I'm, I, I try to go back and forth between sort of moments of emotional intensity and then moments of action and violence. One of the things I'm trying to do is to sort of really show the consequences of violence. But I, I think the piece of it that I'm the, the, the most proud of is the very beginning. So Peter Ash is in bed. It's the middle of the night in the middle of winter. Then he, he hears a noise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he, he unwinds himself from his girlfriend, June Cassidy, grabs the gun that he keeps in his nightstand, threads on a, a silencer because, you know, if it gets messy, you don't want to wake the neighbors. Or his, uh, his girlfriend, yeah. Yeah, for that matter. And then so he, he, he makes his way carefully, quietly downstairs, expecting to find somebody who's broken into his house. But it's his friend, Lewis, who at four o'clock in the morning is making a pot of coffee and a stack of peanut butter sandwiches. And he, he's, he has a friend who's in trouble, and he wants Peter's help. Peter, of course, signs on because Lewis has, has been there for him many, many times. Yeah. And he says, what do I need to do? And Lewis says, dress warm, leave your phone, and bring your gun. <laughs> and that's sort of the setup for the whole thing. And then they drive north into yeah. this blizzard, and they, they, uh, that's how the adventure begins. Bring your gun, dress warm. That's Fridays around here. Sure. There you go. 
So yeah, I would say though it's a good thing he was. It's a good thing he. I don't know. I probably would have shot the guy because you're like, hey man, you're in my peanut butter. No one gets in my peanut butter. I don't know. That's the only joke I had for that. So what advice would you give to aspiring authors in writing mysteries or novels or even fiction or nonfiction? Well, I think the the most important thing is to find somebody that you that find something that you are really interested in because it's a long haul. Yeah, it, it's for most people, it's it's years and years to write that first book because you also probably have a full time job. Maybe you've got some kids who want a little attention. It has to be something that that you are you know curious enough about that it'll that that will pull you through. I, I have I think it's in some circles people talk about finding the the niche in the market or or you know writing the next whatever right yeah, Before, yeah, right after whatever. yeah I mean right after Harry Potter. Yeah you know, showed up, everybody's, you know, oh, I'm going to write the next, you know, whatever. And to me, you're, you're never going to time that right. Yeah. Uh, A and B, you know, write, write you, right? Write what's interesting to you, what's compelling to you. The other thing is that I think a lot of people get really worked up about finding an agent and getting published and all of those things. And, and to me, you know, the most important thing is to, is to write a really good book. If you write a good book, they will knock down your door to come get you. Publishing wants the next great book. They want the next great author. Agents yeah. are lining up to, to have you know, talented people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that is really the secret to having a life in, in the book world is to, is to be a good writer, is to, is to work hard and revise, 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 read stuff that is, is better than, than you. So that's how you learn, right, is by, mm-hmm. is by reading better writers than yourself. If all you read are comic books, you know, you're never going to, you know, write a national bestseller. What if I'm just uh, reading the articles in Playboy? Does that? Well, that's a whole separate thing. Oh, it's um, a graphic novel probably. <laughs> no, those aren't the articles. You, I think you're what? getting confused about the pictures versus the article. The ones where you turn them this way? I don't know <laughs> yeah. what that means. So there you go. That's a centerfold for you listening in the audience. The uh, So you, you bring that to, you ran into my next question. You're just answering the, most of my questions for me. So you're being a great guest. What are, what are some of the books that you enjoy reading or genres that you like reading that kind of inspire you and inspire the, the Peter Ash no, uh, series? I'm, I'm a, I read a lot of crime. I read mysteries. I, I, I don't read as many kind of military thrillers, although I have a couple of friends who, write that stuff who are, I think, really talented. There's a guy named Brad Taylor, whose work I like. There's a guy named Mark Graney, who writes the Gray Man books. I think he is somebody everybody knows. Yeah, he's he's also just a great dude. There's a guy named Don Bentley, who writes his own stuff. He's written a Tom Clancy books. He's now... We've had him on as well, by the way. We yeah, have everybody, we've had everybody on, but Tom Clancy. I did, yeah, but he's passed reason. away. So that's why. Yeah, um, reason. yeah. So you know, I, I read those guys, but I, I read a lot of nonfiction. I'm reading right now. Let me see if I can dig it out here. A book called The Tiger, which is I don't know, thirteen or fourteen years old here. Yeah, uh, here, I'm doing a bad job with my camera. There you go. Uh, the there tiger, we go. There we go. Vengeance to survival. So it's about Siberian tigers that become man eaters. Uh, and it's it's beautifully written. So not, I, I've really I, I haven't read a lot of nonfiction over the years, but I've mm-hmm. sort of fallen into uh, some of that and really enjoying that kind of stuff. So I I read anything that's well written. You know, my my wife my wife reads a lot of I guess what used to be called women's fiction. I'm not sure what it's called now, upmarket fiction. And she will you know say, hey, this thing is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and again, I, I I have female characters, and so it it helps me to learn how 
women write about women, right? So it's mm -hmm. a, one of the downsides of being a, a full-time writer is that there's no time off. Writing used to be my, or reading used to be my time off, and now it's all work. <laughs> but it's a work of love, right? It is a work of love. Yeah, it's a work that's fun and enjoyable to yourself. What's your writing routine, if you don't mind me asking? Do you have a daily routine? Oh, I, I do. I, I like a regular life. So I'm, I'm, I wake up when I wake up. I, I go for a walk or a run. Uh, I actually started meditating because I, I was part of my research into post-traumatic stress. Meditation is one of the things that actually the Army is having soldiers do. Mm. Uh, to help mitigate that. So I started doing that just to sort of help mitigate the deadline pressure. So I, I meditate every morning and then I, I make my breakfast and I pour a cup of coffee and I carry it into the office and then the day begins. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I work sort of a nine to five. Okay. So you sit down at the thing and work a eight hour job and make sure you get your time in and yeah. do you do weekends yeah, yeah. or are those optional? I, it depends. I, you know, when I'm trying to get something going, I, I'll work, mm -hmm. you know, seven days a week, just sort of trying to sort of stay inside of this story. Mm -hmm. But that I, you can, I can only do that for so long. And then I need a couple of days to just, you know, be a vegetable. Um, but, I, you know, it's writing a book a year is a, is a, is a challenge for sure. Oh, yeah. And there, there's not a lot of room for other stuff. Plus um, you guys, I don't think you guys write for a full year because there's there's that lead time that the publishers need, which is quite significant, right? Oh yeah, so I mean, you guys it's, are writing for maybe six months or something like that. For me, it's about. Thank you, thank you very much. I hit the. Uh, space <laughs> you just sounded like a great answer. <laughs> for me, it's about eight months. It is a typical book, but then you there's revision, there's yeah. you know going on book tour and doing the promotion stuff. I mean, it all takes time. You know, I have to do my taxes and blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's life gets in the way. Yeah. There you go. Well, this has been really interesting, Nick. Any further thoughts or questions maybe I should have asked you about the book? I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of looking at my my little notes here. I, I don't know. I, I appreciate the interest for sure. And uh, it's been a great conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It's been interesting to hear, you know, your love of, of your work and how you do it. You know, it's a labor of love. And I thought one, one thing I thought was interesting is you, you said that, you know, it really has to be appealing to you first before you, and, and evidently you have found a way where what's appealing to you is appealing to a broad range of audience. So I, I love that. I think part of that is just dumb luck. It's, it's, that, it's that the things that I'm interested in uh -huh. are things that other people happen to be interested in. I, I mean, I know very talented writers who are interested in a certain kind of story or a certain kind of genre who, that, that are just never going to see a wide audience because it's such a funky little niche. Um, but they're writing what's true to them, which is really, I think, what everybody should do. There you go. Is it is it the characters that intrigue us? Is it is it the reflection of the characters on our own lives? You know, I, you know, when I watch Die Hard, I dream that I could be, you know, I could sure. do that in a second. You know, defend my family and and I walk around on glass, kick everyone's ass. And there's a fantasy there, I suppose, with the characters. But then characters are also interesting in themselves, especially their dichotomies, their 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 conflicts of of what they're going through how they're trying to resolve stuff it's that whole experience i think is that we like characters for sure and it's it's both an escape and an immersion in a world that is not our own right and we all we all, you know our lives are all challenging and complicated and we're all looking for a, an escape from that from time to time mm -hmm. and, and i for me 
character is the foundation of the story. It needs to be it needs to be fast and exciting and interesting. But if you don't care about the the characters, you don't care about what happens to them, right? There's a you know, if there's a if there's a bomb under the chair and you don't give a damn about the guy sitting in the chair, who cares if the bomb goes off, right? So to me, you 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 have to these have to be people that you come to care about. I had this great just I, I know you're you're you, you've got the next thing to do here, but the no I, we're I, we're here uh, as long as we need. All right, please I, don't rush. I was in a uh, I, I did a charity book club deal years back, and I, I was in a I was in a a very nice house with 20 seriously smart, ambitious, professional women talking about my book. And the, the best moment for me was when they started to argue with each other about what Peter Ash would or wouldn't do in a certain circumstance, right? And so to me, that's, that's the holy grail. Yeah. When, when that character comes alive to a reader in that way. And I, I, that's something that I pay a lot of attention to and I try really hard to get all those characters right to make them feel distinct and interesting and, and like somebody that you would know and or maybe want to be, right? There is this aspirational piece to, to this kind of fiction. There you go. The characters come alive through what you've written and you're, you're designing them as the characters. So we've had a lot of authors that have been on the show, like yourself, that have series or multiple series. And it's funny, they'll get feedback from their audience that sometimes will surprise them. Like one of my authors has appeared quite a few times. She has got 60 plus books. She said one time, you know, she wrote about this guy who was a, I think he's a drinking detective, you know, and it's a detective genre with the scotch or whatever, you know. But at one point she had someone write her and say, do you realize that your main character is an alcoholic? And she, she is the author went, holy shit. Huh. They're right. <laughs> He's an alcoholic. So, you know, it's interesting to me. I love the whole the whole genre and the experience of it and people bringing characters to life. I don't have that ability, so I, I love it. You know, the only thing I can write about is business stuff. We burned $30,000 in the books today. There's a story, you know, but it, it's funner when you guys are able to go in as novelists and just design the set, design the characters, and you guys can imagine this whole world and how it interacts, and then you can do it with multiple books, and it's the creativity is just astounding, I think. I, I appreciate it, and I am definitely in awe of other writers who, who do that. Yeah. You know, the, there was a... I had, a, I had a fascinating anecdote that fled, because, you know, I'm in my 50s, and so my you, brain, <laughs> you know, is like Swiss cheese sometimes, but... <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, man? There's so many times I'll segue and I'm, I'm, I'm heading down the path to something on the segue and I do another segue and I'm like, yeah, you didn't want too many segues, Chris. You just lost it. <laughs> Sometimes it comes back to me, but yeah. I, f I remembered. I remembered. Yeah. You were talking about the things that your your reader's surprising you. And and I so I wrote this first book called The Drifters, the first in the series, about a veteran of post-traumatic stress. And, and I was, it, I mean, I never thought the book would get published, so... You know, I, I never really thought anybody would read it. And then it got picked up by a, a major publisher. And, and it was, I don't know, two or three weeks before publication date. And I kind of had a panic attack. I was like, oh, my God, people are going to read this. And am I going to be a fake or, a, you know, and, and I, I'm very open about the fact that I'm, I'm not a veteran. I didn't serve overseas. You know, the, the book has an afterword kind of all about that, that piece of it. But it, the response from readers has been super gratifying. That first book tour, I, I was at a library event and these two women in their 70s came up to me. They, they made a point to be last in line. And they came up to say, our husbands were both in Vietnam. Oh, wow. They were sisters. Their, their husbands were both in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. And your book helped us 
understand how to talk to our husbands about the war. Oh, wow. And like that kind of stuff. And, and I get, I get messages like that all the time that, that, you know, it, it wasn't my personal experience, but I've talked to so many people that I, I was able to somehow evoke this experience for people. And, and the other crazy thing that happens is I get, you know, people will send me like Facebook messages. And the last one was a guy in, in his full Marine Corps dress uniform with his wife and his three kids. Mm-hmm. You know, kids are all under the age of, I don't know, nine or 10. And, and the message was, until I read The Drifter, I thought I was crazy. I spent many nights with my gun in my mouth trying to get the courage to kill myself. Then I read your book and I realized I just have post-traumatic stress. And, and now, you know, I've taken these steps and blah, blah, blah. And I get that stuff on a regular basis. And it's never what I expected to that. Like I, I, you know, I'm trying to write a fun book that that you want to turn the pages, but, but that there's this other piece of it has really added a lot to the meaning for me personally of the work I do. There you go. And impacting our veterans. And, you know, we've had a lot of people on, scientists and everybody else who talked about PS, PSCD and, you know, more support we can give to veterans. But it's great that it touches people in, in so many different ways. It's kind of funny. I think books are a little bit like like music or song song lyrics. You know, you can write Stairway to Heaven and people, you know, interpret that 50 trillion ways and put their own spin on stuff. You might have a few times where people tell you something about the book and you're like, what? <laughs> Yeah, where'd that, that happen? Yeah. I don't remember that. I don't remember writing that scene in the book or, you know, the flavor of the character or something. But, you know, but that's why we always say stories are the owner's manual to life. It's interesting how when we tell stories, they give us the lessons to to deal. And they, they kind of give us almost a mirror, if you will, where we can look at life and we can go, okay, well, this is this is that and this affects me. You know, there's there's times I've talked about things that I thought this is kind of selfish. No one really gives a shit about what my opinion is on anything, which is actually true. But, <laughs> uh, and you know, people say hey, that that had an impact on me that, you know, I cried over that or it changed my life because you shared your stupid idiot story. But somehow in all your idiocy, I found something that meant something. So that's the story of my life. I, I mean, I just, I love that quote so much. I just had to write it down. And I, I think that's really true that the thing about music and fiction, especially, I think are so intimate, right? That people experience that inside their own head. I mean, actually a podcast, I think is sort of the same way. Yeah. If they're, if they're, if they're, they're, you know, doing their job or going for a walk and listening to something, I mean, to be right there in somebody's head, it's very intimate. Uh, It's, it's just, I find that to be such an interesting experience. I'm in your head, people. (laughs) For 16 years. I'm one of your personalities. No, I have eight. So this has been a wonderful discussion, Nick. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Give us your final pitch out on the book and tell people where they can pick it up, any .coms that they can go to to get to know you better. You betcha. So the book is called The Price You Pay, and it is the eighth book in the Peter Ash series. You can certainly read it as, as a standalone. If this is your first Peter Ash book, go for it. You can also go back to the beginning to a book called The Drifter. You can find me at nickpetrie.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, underscore Nick Petrie, underscore, and nick.petrie.author on Facebook. There you go. Or, folks, order up wherever fine books are sold. Stay away those alleyway bookstores. You might get mugged or need a tetanus shot. The book is entitled The Price You Pay, a Peter Ash novel, number eight in the series. It comes out February 6, 2024. Oh, my God, we're in 2024 already. That's insane, go. right? 
Yeah, we have a big YouTube channel, so there'll be some people see this ten years from now. I'll be like, it's not twenty twenty four anymore. They'll leave a comment that says that. Nick, thank you very much for coming to the show. We really appreciate it. Now, thanks, Chris. I appreciate your time. It's been a blast. There you go. And thanks to my audience for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, forward Chris Voss, youtube.com, forward Chris Voss, linkedin.com, forward Chris Voss. Subscribe to the big LinkedIn newsletter, the 130,000 group on LinkedIn, and all the other silly stuff I do on the internet. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. And we'll see you guys next time.